When you're under high stress or anxiety, do you suppress it or do you liberate it? I think that we can suppress often with diet, with munchy crunchy things or sweets. When we're looking for a dopamine hit, we can suppress with blue light and addictive scrolling, the death scroll on our social media as an escape mechanism or suppression. But none of that resolves that void. We're still constantly just getting that short-lived ding, if you will, of escapism. What we really want to start to seek is how we can liberate. And so liberating stress or liberating loss all often requires movement. It often requires a connection with something greater than ourselves. So for me, that would be God. For others, that would be universe, meditation, you name it. To liberate, we have to also deal with and process the newfound identity maybe that we have or the newfound role that we've taken on. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Well, welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Uh, today we are getting ready. Today I actually dropped Ava Marie off at school. I dropped her right off at her for her 10th grade. Uh, locally, she's going back into school in Texas. We start pretty early. So at the time of this recording, it's August 9th and fully like 100 degrees outside. It feel, I mean, yes. it is summer and it just feels like it's just too early for kids to get back to school. But lo and behold, drop her off to school. And probably the last time I'll be dropping her off for the first day of school, because this year coming up or early next year, she turns 16 and she will be driving to school. And I really, I really am looking forward to that. Although the time <laughs> in the car has been a great time to have her captivated and engaged and mostly right when they're not chatting with their friends or Snapchatting and listening. No doubt. I get the best downloads and the, you know, learnings of how the day went in the car ride. I always am saying, do not install those screens in your vehicles, parents, because you are losing out on gold conversations. Gold, absolutely. <laughs> you have a captive audience and it's slow down time and it's the best way to process the events of the day for sure. Yeah, I remember listening to a lecture, a very big influencer, and he was doing high performance lectures and masterclasses. And he said, you know, you've got to guard your time. Like he was, didn't have children at the time. And he's like, you know, invest in carpool, get someone else to drive your kids to school. I'm like, you know, that is my gold time with my children. That is absolutely my gold time. I definitely think sharing time and having listening to kids as they talk to each other in carpool is a really good thing yes. also. But being yes. the driver, being the witness, being engaged and engaging them is just it's priceless. So Allie, I want to welcome you to, to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. We have had great episodes in the past. 
talking about your books, the anti-anxiety diet and your anti-anxiety diet cookbook and just the amazing things you've done in the world. I would love, I'm just glad to have you here impromptu to do back to school stuff with me. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun conversation. It always is. And, you know, every choice we make is a movement on that dial on that continuum to optimal wellness. And no time is better than when we're getting those kind of structure barriers put back up with a back to school timeline, both for the mamas listening, also for the children and anyone in between. I think even if your children are grown and out of the house, there's just that seasonal shift, even if it's still 101 degrees for us here. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. that shift of the tides of knowing that kind of playtime is over and we're getting into business in the fall. Right, in general. And then for some of my listeners, maybe you're empty nesting or you've been empty nesting, or this is your first year empty nesting. And that can look like all of a sudden there is space to, I always joke, I say there's space to have your mental breakdown that you've been on the verge of for a decade, right? Because all of a sudden you're not pushing that cortisol, that survival hormones not coming all this time and you get this vacuous space and, and it can feel isolating. It can, you can feel depression. And mm -hmm. I just want you to know that this is, this is a season and there are some really key ways that we can help you through this season too. So whether you're back, you know, you're back to school and someone's coming home at the end of the day or not, or it's just that season the, that, you know, we've had so many years of uncertainty over the last two, three years that it can be tumultuous. Like what does this new year bring? What does the new flu season bring? How can mm -hmm. we be really prepared from our own selves, like filling our own immune system, as well as those of our families and those we care about as we hit this, you know, back to school season, which is always accompanied by a cold or a flu in the classroom sure. that that's going to be an exposure. Ali, remind me, are you homeschooling or are you, are your kids back and going back no, to my school? My Stella is seven years old. So she's going into second grade and she's at a private school, very small Episcopal school on 60 acres and they play in the forest and it's super sweet and we love the community she's in right now. Oh, that's amazing. It makes such a big difference when you have that. When we were in, when my daughter was seven and she was in elementary school, my youngest one was in elementary school at Saint, on St. Saint Simon's Island. It was the first elementary school there. They actually have ocean or beach time. So their mm -hmm. science class, they walk to the beach. And once a week, they're on the beach, they're looking at beach life and all of that really amazing stuff that was part of her curriculum in cool. early elementary school. I know, I love that. I love that. So very, cool. very different now that we're in a city and, you know, of course now she's in high school and I'm like, okay, three more years till I'm empty nesting. Is it wrong to look forward to that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not in my right now trajectory, but I have so many clients that are in that boat. And I think that there is that recalibration, like you referenced of figuring out what else to do with your time. I, I call it this proverbial filling the void and we can have a void in any transition time. So it could be job change. It could be empty nesting. It could be just a shift in ritual or routine, but we have to think about how to fill up in sustainable ways that actually support 
hormetic response like oxytocin surges uh, or looking at ways to drive endorphin expression, things to work as natural antidepressants or anxiolytic, anxiety-reducing compounds. Um, so what lifestyle, diet, and supplement interventions we can do to kind of bubble wrap uh, or to support when we find ourselves in these voids. Otherwise, we look for short-lived highs or pick-me-ups or fills. And, and this is where we can often see, uh, I was on this little kick last week. I was saying, you know, when you're under high stress or anxiety, do you suppress it or do you liberate it? And that was kind of the juxtaposition I was speaking on. And I think that we can suppress often with diet. We can suppress with munchy crunchy things or sweets when we're looking for a dopamine hit. We can suppress with blue light and addictive scrolling, the death scroll on our social media as an escape mechanism or suppression, but none of that resolves that void. We're still constantly just getting that short-lived ding, if you will, of escapism. What we really want to start to seek is how we can liberate. And, and so liberating stress or liberating loss all, often requires movement. It often requires a connection with something greater than ourselves. So for me, that would be God. For others, that would be universe, meditation, you name it. To liberate, we have to also deal with and process the newfound identity maybe that we have or the newfound role that we've taken on. And that might come with journaling as a process or conversation with therapist or loved ones. Uh, but I think so much in looking for a sustainable resolution of that void, right? And finding things that make us feel full. And so it might even be a special oil that you rub on yourself that has a scent, like a, a blend of like lavender and Palo Santo. So it's very grounding, but very light and has some natural antidepressants. Okay. So are those effect. your favorite? I got to interrupt because like Does Palo it, so Santo, I, I cannot, you know. No. Is it too earthy? Too masculine? Yes. I don't know. No, I <laughs> so love bergamot. Like yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, not the patchouli. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, right. way, that's way too different for me too. I love uh, sandalwood and Palo Santo. Uh, I, I like, I mean, I'm a pretty high, like fiery spirit. So I really like to have something very grounding, grounding. in a sense. I love vetiver for that reason as well. And so I like a blend of something that has, and maybe I've even blended like rose with something like Palo Santo. So it has this feminine masculine balance, but my favorite topical right now is called everyday oil and it's a blend of jojoba and coconut and olive as the base of fat it's very nourishing very clean and then it has palo santo lavender i think it has three other essential oils that i can't remember off the top of my head but it's just lovely and it's one of those things that i keep a bottle in my office i use it after shower uh, and if i'm feeling again this this low or whatever it's, it's one of those ways to just connect with myself. So you're making an oxytocin hit when you're applying that to yourself. And then there's that scent memory connection of intention and where we, we want to drive our thoughts. Uh, so I find that that can create a lot of passive support as well for okay. stress or for feeling alone um, to kind of give that fill. Well, then that's something that nurtures you, right? So, and you said that right. that oil is, it's called everyday oil. Mm -hmm. And by, is that a doTERRA? No, I don't, I don't know the brand. It's just a little boutique. I think they only make everyday oil. I think their website's so, like, every, I'll link that's it. I'll it. send it to you. Okay. Yeah. That's so out. cool. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> have to check it out for me. I'm like, I love like thinking of what I put on. I love just having a rose water mist. 
that just is after a shower refreshing to to miss that and i put my daughter amira bought me for my birthday recently i'm a summer baby so eucalyptus to put in my shower Ooh, so yeah. the live mm -hmm. eucalyptus is in there now and that's just yeah. gave my whole sh shower another appeal like i love my shower yeah. anyway but there's a whole yeah. nother appeal to this so we're really talking olfactory memory connection what nurtures yeah. us like eucalyptus reminds me of being in a spa or one of the steam mm -hmm. saunas in germany or something i just think that full eucalyptus smell and so that triggers that oh i can relax i can let down my guard i can just take a deep breath for a second breathe this in engage the uh -huh. vagus nerve lower cortisol engage the parasympathetic yeah. right because that scent reminds me to do that and I, and I never otherwise do that i'm gonna have to put some all over the house apparently <laughs> but right. then, then earth like the oils that i love too bergamot i love bergamot mm -hmm. oil mm -hmm. i love fresh jasmine essential oil and frankincense another one of my favorites yes when well, all of these, this is the time of the year to start to bring these back into diffusers, or even I'll tell individuals to like dab eucalyptus on their shower wall if they don't have the fresh eucalyptus hanging, uh, especially as we're going into this cold flu viral season, because these are also very supportive for our upper respiratory system. Exactly. And so keeping the nasal passage moist versus dry is going to reduce the influence of infection because when we have dry passages, we're going to get more adherence of viral particle where we'll be able to flush them more readily, which is why I'm a huge fan of, of saline sprays and such. Uh, but doing that in the shower and then getting that inhalant of the natural antiviral antibacterial components that we see in herbs like eucalyptus is another added benefit, which mm -hmm. can help to combat if you were exposed to any viral compounds. Right, right. And I received a message from Renee and Renee said, you know, it's such a nostalgic or melancholy feeling when you are taking your kids to school, you know, when you're mm -hmm. dropping them off at school and you're leaving them in the charge of someone else, or it's again, your, your last season of, of dropping them off, or again, you're empty nesting now and you're not dropping them off. So there's like these different, but being in touch with it, right, Allie, being in touch right. with it and being able to voice it, express it, put a name to it, these feelings yeah. versus suppressing them and, and occupying ourselves with busy work, busy right. work. And that is my drug of choice, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes as, as well, I can see that. Yes. <laughs> Distract with other people's success instead of investing in the self-care. Sometimes that can be difficult. Right, right. So let's keep going with the back to school immune system. So we've got our triggers sure. so from sense of well-being. I mean, there's so much that from a positive sense of well-being, the atmosphere creating the environment that feels nurturing, mm -hmm. like the eucalyptus, like the essential oils, the diffusers. Are you a diffuser mm -hmm. person or a candle person? I'm a diffuser person for sure. Yes. So, so many candles have actually fragrance in addition to essential oils. You really have to watch out for that because there's endocrine disrupting exactly. compounds in added fragrance. And then, you know, just candles creating more oxidative, it's making more stress as far as our respiratory system with the smoke. So you're getting a little bit more of an air pollutant effect. Whereas if we're doing, and that's even the cleaner burning candles, there still is that burn component, that combustion is going to create more stress than uh, because of smoke, right? Than we would see with a diffuser. So diffusers are going to be a lot cleaner and we'll actually have some of those therapeutic effects for us when we're looking to 
to use essential oils to support immune health or to actually have uplifting effect, et cetera. Yeah, no, I love that too. And certainly as, as much as we can getting outside and getting in nature to boost our immune system, grounding yes, and vitamin definitely. D. So let's, mm -hmm. let's talk about that. And also as a, for anxiety, vitamin D, and this is something that I didn't realize until a few years ago and doing my oxytocin research, that vitamin D is necessary for all our hormones, like pretty mm -hmm. much all our hormones for the receptors to work for oxytocin, the hormone of love and connection, bonding, yep. trust, for that to work, we have to have adequate vitamin D on board. So low vitamin D is associated with depression, isolation, loneliness. Mm -hmm. So that makes perfect sense now also with progesterone, especially in traumatic brain injuries and for memory and recall, vitamin D is needed at the progesterone receptors. I mean, who mm -hmm. knew? It's so important. Right. Yes. I mean, I think one of the best things you can do and best if you can practice it with your children, but at least for yourself, if you're thinking of new ritual, maybe waking up earlier now, a lot of us let everyone sleep in a little bit more in the summer and, and time schedules get off. Here in Texas, the sun isn't setting until 840. <laughs> so yeah. it's been really difficult to get my child down before 945 because it's bright outside, but really important to work with our circadian rhythm and work with the sun. There are so many studies. In fact, there's this whole school now of what's called chrononutrition, which basically means working with your eating schedule and your circadian rhythm. And best if you can harness that into the sun cycles in your region. So really fantastic if you can, within the first 20 minutes, ideally for sure within the first hour of rise, get outside and expose yourself to that natural sunlight. That is one of the best ways that you can support the uh, body as far as melatonin regulation. Also, we see huge influence on circadian rhythm and metabolism by just getting that natural sun exposure. Um, and especially important to try to avoid turning over from when you first wake up and picking up that phone and going right into your news feed or your social, because right away you're robbing with that blue light instead of getting that nice red light and that natural sunlight, which has such a different influence on the brain. We know actually that when we're out in the sunlight, we want to avoid sunglasses as well. This is kind of new finding information because we have receptors in our skin that respond to our ocular intake of sunlight. And so when we wear sunglasses, we see a more susceptibility to sunburn, but also less vitamin D production. So really wild because the body basically from a brain level, from that retinal feedback is saying, well, we're not outside in the sun. <laughs> so we right. don't need to upregulate these mechanisms of vitamin D production, or we don't have to protect ourselves from sunburn exposure. And so, you know, that's something I always say, like, you know, those morning rides are especially the ones to not wear the sunglasses. If you are a sunglasses for fashion kind of gal, maybe wait until the end of the day and wear them like, you know, in the sunset time. But I do believe that that lovely mango and orange color of a sunset is equally as nourishing for the brain to not filter that with those sunglasses as well. So maybe just for photos. Right, <laughs> right, right. The real, real color of the sun. Yeah, mm -hmm. or twelve to two in the afternoon, right? Something like that mm -hmm. for that that peak time. But also, yeah, I mean, that's so important for sun to get directly into our 
eyes. Now it's a problem with people who've had cataract surgery and have lenses. Problem for those sure. of us, I'm wearing my contact lenses right now. So that's going to also block a good percentage of the right. beneficial light, which is a problem. We're going to make less vitamin D, the sunburning mm -hmm. part. I wasn't aware of that, but I mean, just as I mean, it's not, not to the extent that sunglasses would be blocking, but to a right. degree, right? So in theory, that morning ritual, you could wait to put on the contacts until, you know, you've prepared breakfast or you're ready to head out for the day. So in theory, you'd want to invest in that 20 to 30 minutes that maybe you actually allow yourself to sit outside, put your feet on the grass, breathe, listen to a relaxing song, or just listen to the birds chirping and do that prior to putting in those contacts to get the best bang for your buck. Because we're seeing just as much as we're calling vitamin D a sun deficiency, if you will, or a um, sun exposure deficiency, we're seeing melatonin as a juxtaposition, which is also a pro-hormone. You know, melatonin has such interesting influence on estrogen metabolism and as an antioxidant and also in our immune health. We saw melatonin as a huge player during the pandemic and melatonin is really a darkness deficiency, right? And so it's this juxtaposition of, trying to get back again into the most natural exposure of light and trying to limit the synthetic and then support the body in getting outside. I agree. And the, again, our brain, like we think, I always think about ways we can trick our body and, and some listeners today may be thinking the same way. Well, let me, I'll just take extra vitamin D. I'll just take mm -hmm. extra vitamin D, but vitamin D is only, is only one aspect of the hormones, the light signaling system into mm. our body, those, those red light, orange lights that trigger the gradual to increase, you know, in sunrise of light and sunrise and the opposite in sunset when are, is triggering our circadian rhythm and something yes. now, Ali, I'm back in practice, back in clinical practice. And I had been on my sabbatical for a while. I was like, I'll go back when Ava goes in high school. So even when she went into high school, I didn't go back yet. So I'm back finally. And, but it's a different, it's a different, people are showing up with, you know, flatline circadian patterns. And mm -hmm. more so than, you know, and I've been doing functional medicine and I've been doing bioidentical hormones since 1999 and functional medicine since 2004 with age management and looking at organic acids. I was a chemist before I went to medical school. So I worked in, you know, I worked in mass spec. I work in drug metabolism. I did all these things. And so I've always paid attention to it. It's not that I'm paying more attention to it, I believe, but it's like one after the other, after the other, I'm seeing these disrupted circadian rhythms. So mm -hmm. I want to talk with you about this because it's so important to get on a natural cycle for mm -hmm. our immune system, for our emotional well-being and our ability to connect with people is to reset that circadian cycle. So we hit on it a bit with sunrises, sunsets, getting light mm -hmm. exposure, because it's not just triggering vitamin D production. You mentioned melatonin. I mean, that mm -hmm. is critical. It's it's triggering, you know, the, our nervous system, our awake, our cortisol, you know, and as well as our winding down at the end of the day mm -hmm. of our cortisol. So there's this this whole cycle. And I would love to love to hear how you work with clients for a circadian reset. Yes. 
So some of the things that we do, so like we said, getting out in the light and then equally important in the evening to use dimmer switches on your bulbs, try to avoid LEDs or do the soft LED bulbs versus the bright white blue bulbs have dimmer settings. You can even do the, the cheapo light switch with just the, you know, swipe down dimmer really important. Once you get into that sunset time to adjust your lighting in the household, you don't have to go super nerdo, like some of the biohackers that put in red, red lights, lights and it looks like a photo development shop. I mean, that's cool for some, but I'm too aesthetically, I want my household to feel it Zen and not red. Uh, and so we just do dimming settings and then we would avoid blue light. So the, the tablet scrolls, the evening TV shows, you know, it's much better to do that prior to sunset and, you know, best to really play a record. This is a time to journal. This is a time to take a hot bath. Ideal if you can do Epsom salt during that and maybe incorporate some of those scents. We look at adjusting our timing of eating, especially for those that are looking for active weight loss. So this is where I get the biggest pushback, but it just depends on your motivation and where you are with your weight loss goals and your body composition. But the best way to work with our circadian rhythm is to eat our largest meal within an hour of rise. This also has been shown to support leptin levels. So getting 20 to 30 grams of protein within that hour of rise, very counterintuitive for us that have been doing this 16, eight kind of thing and waiting until noon or 1 PM to eat. And unfortunately I see a lot in my perimenopausal and menopausal women that because of cortisol and hormone dysregulation, that kind of classic sold to you, you know, 16 hour fasting, eight hour eating window of noon to 8 PM just does not work ideal. It's best to do like a 7 AM to 3 PM window which I acknowledge is socially disrupting because that means that your dinner may be sat out or skipped. Now, well, I again, think I just want to, right. Yes. And this is an area where I've been working with online with my Keto Green 16 plans for, mm -hmm. you know, almost a decade now. And things that I've seen is that and really feel committed that 13 to 16 hour intermittent fasting is it's key for our metabolic recharge. However, Agree. if you're doing extended fasting long-term and you have risk for polycystic ovary, heart disease, diabetes, those of us with those survivor genetics, you're going to form more uric acid. You're going to start gaining weight and get into a metabolic disruption. I, and I've seen with my clients too, breaking fast by 10 AM is mm -hmm. really important for that hormonal yes. balance. And there's an old, yes. I mean, this is, you know, I think of traditional medicine, I, I travel around the world and study other societies and cultures. And there's a good Arabic saying, it says breakfast, like a king, lunch, like a nobleman, dinner, like a pauper. Pop and mm -hmm. and it was it is hard it is hard to do it is you know it is different but if you can do it some of the time when you yes. can do it that's awesome yep. yeah and i think for the empty nesters this is the time to think of that liberation of yep. you know okay i don't have to prepare this meal for my football player that returned home. You know, I can prepare a meal for my husband potentially, and I can sip bone broth. I generally recommend still sipping broth or tea and still having that ceremonial ritual around the dinner table where you still get to unpack your day. But again, it just depends on where you are in your lifestyle and, and if that's going to work best for you, but you can most definitely adjust the caloric density to be the lightest at your later in the time meal. Um, even for busy moms, though, I'm just saying, I've also seen some to feel very free giving up that evening meal because that's the, oh crap, <laughs> running from the activities, shuttling the kids around and you're stuck eating a protein bar or a meat stick or grabbing 
I don't recommend fast food, but that's often what happens right, right in that absolutely. scenario. And so sometimes that gives a lot of grace to the woman to say, oh, well, I've already nourished my body all day. Now I'm in a non-nourished fasting state and I'm going to sip on tea while I cart my kids around, you know? And so that can work and really been, lovely. Yeah. And I've been very imperfect in that over the past few years <laughs> when I'm perfect at it, I'll make my daughter lunch, put it in a glass Tupperware, yeah. right? The glass container. And when I pick her up from school, take her to the ranch and have her eat her dinner you know, yeah. in the car, you know, again, not ideal, but at least it's healthier than Whataburger. And I have to admit, no doubt. Driven through and, and you know, what once. I've seen, what I've seen really helpful for kiddos of all ages. So from my seven-year-old, even when she was younger, all the way through high school is not to discount the idea of making them a green smoothie protein shake, you know, with all the cool water bottles out there now, like the swell and the whatnot, letting your kiddo pick out a new cool stainless steel bottle where you're able to make them a very nourishing, protein-rich, antioxidant-rich meal in a mug or a water bottle is a really great way to have that rest assurance that they are getting the amino acids they need, they're supporting their growth, development, muscle recovery, and they're getting quality fats from either the full-fat coconut milk or the coconut oil you added to that smoothie or nut butters. And just clean, easy and easy for them to get in as well, which I find to be very helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's good advice. And, and again, essential, it's good for all of us, but recognizing that that's part of like that, you know, resetting what we're eating a heavy meal at night is not good for our sleep cycle. It's not good for our circadian right. rhythm. And we've gotten into this imbalanced state watching news at night is worse than a heavy meal at night. For sure. For sure. And, you know, we've seen in feeding studies, even eating the same macronutrient distribution. So grams of carbs, protein, and fat. So isocaloric, iso macro breakdown, as well as even same composition, same food choice throughout the day at different times has different glucose influence. And so whether you're wearing a CGM, uh, some people do deal with that dawn phenomenon from a cortisol surge in the morning time. And so they get that elevated fasting glucose. But I do see by having higher protein within that hour to two hours that often that's supportive for most to actually bring their glucose levels down versus extending that fast, especially if they're doing coffee during their fasted window, because that can just jack the adrenals further and right. create more of that circadian disruption. So getting that protein pretty early in the day can actually help to offset that cortisol surge can help the body to feel safe. That's where leptin comes into play. You know, leptin is this satiety hormone where the Greek language translates to the word thin because it plays a role with appetite regulation and, and every hormone cortisol, leptin, estrogen, we love to demonize these you know, certain ones like cortisol is bad, lower it. Well, that's not the case. Then you'd have mismanaged inflammation and you'd be chronically fatigued, right? Same with estrogen, same with all of them. Leptin has a sweet spot. And when your leptin levels are optimal, you will not have cravings. You will have quality sleep. Your thyroid will work appropriately. Your sexual hormone will work appropriately because there's receptors on our hypothalamus for leptin. So that whole HPA access will get piloted by it. If leptin levels run too low, you're going to run anxious. You're going to have insomnia. And this is often the individuals I find that are of a lower percent body fat or an ideal weight 
and are still over-exercising or over-fasting or restricting and over-caffeinating, that's that trifecta, they're the ones that start to get the leptin low levels or insufficient levels. And basically their body isn't feeling safe anymore. It's not feeling nourished or fed. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we can see those that have leptin resistance where they have elevated blood levels of leptin, but the receptors are desensitized. And in these individuals, we might want to actually go a little bit lower in the fat or dial down the fat that they maybe were eating in their ketogenic diet. I still would have them practice some form of fasting, uh, still distributed at a minimum of two meals, right? Don't want to go to that OMOD, which will then create more stress response or thriftiness in their genes and also that, that holding of the body fat. But it's a, it's a fine balance. And I find that that hormone particularly plays a role with circadian and with how we fast, with the timing we eat, and also the amount of fat we consume. Yeah, no, I love it. I think exactly the concept of leptin resistant. In, and you talk about this in your books too. In my second book, Keto Green 16, I talk about the 13 weight control hormones. There are more, but 13, yeah. there's, there's a lot of weight control hormones. It's not just insulin. And we've had a lot of information about insulin over the, the years and insulin creating insulin sensitivity over insulin resistant. And that sweet pot, too low isn't good, too high is not good at all. And the same with leptin, that sweet spot, right? The too low isn't good, too low for too long or too high. That constant, and then again, depending on what our, our genetics are. So, which is really fascinating yeah. taking into account our, you know, how our body's responding to what we're doing. I still, I make my clients check urine pH, ketones mm -hmm. and uric acid. Now I did the urine test strips where I added uric acid to it. And since I did that, cause that was an aha moment for me after mm. being keto green and then going to one meal a day and then trying carnivore, I started gaining weight and all this oh. weight and inflammation. There's mold toxicity in there too. And and on the road a lot in Texas hauling horses, but there was all of that to, to confound it. But what was really interesting, I started checking my uric acid, you know, after my conversation with Dr. David Perlmutter and his book came out, Drop Acid. So talking about uric acid and that my, you know, and even, even a 18 hour fast, I'll start pushing out some uric acid. So I have that sure. metabolism, which is very consistent with my family history of diabetes and heart disease or, you know, polycystic ovary disease, things like that. So it's important to look and to measure and see what your body's doing because yes. like, it, you know, we want to, we, you know, need uric acid in our systems, but too much is not good. And it puts you into that metabolic stall. And of course, again, creating more of an acidic physiology, like trying to fine tune what's going on and, and what works like there are cycles doing the yes. same thing all the time is not going to work all the time. Yes. That's what I love about the menu pause approach is that you are teaching your body about this hormesis or this challenge, once it kind of figures out mm -hmm. <laughs> as a curly haired girl, I know that you have to product change, right? And it's kind of like the same type of thing. It's like, you have to shake your body up once it's fallen out of the quote unquote sweet spot. And so when you start to see you lose that keto high, or you start to experience hunger pangs again, or you're white knuckling your diet again, this is your body telling you that what you're doing currently isn't working. That might mean you switch the timing. That might mean you switch up the macros. That might mean you switch up the food selection or types, but there's definitely something that you have to shake up when your body's telling you that it's not working. 
So true. So true. So I want to thank you so much for being here. You know, we, we can talk forever. We can talk forever. We do have <laughs> to do that conference together sometime, bring our yes. audiences together in person and It'll be fun. And yeah, and have these real live conversations. So I want to thank you. Tell our audience where they can find you, where they can uh, get your books and connect with sure. you more. Now that you're sure. off the, you know, shadow ban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. So it's everything's under Allie Miller RD. So it's just A-L-I-M-I-L-L-E-R-R-D at for Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, my website is AllieMillerRD.com. You can find the anti-anxiety diet there, the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. We also have a whole section of protocols that support you and my functional medicine supplement line. So tons of stuff in there. And really the big thing that I like to bring into the picture is this food as medicine conversation. So using whole real food ingredients that work in synergy for flavor profiles that are bright and delicious and have other household members asking for seconds, mm -hmm. but also that have synergistic nutritional effects. And so we're increasing nutrient density by using things like bone broth or fermented foods or adding in more bioflavonoids with zesting our citrus, et cetera. I and mean, I really try to, in my books, provide some of that food as medicine education as you're making my recipes so that you can take that tidbit of information and continue to apply it with every time you bring your fork to your mouth. Absolutely. I love it. So AllieMillerRD.com, AllieMillerRD.com and on Instagram, et cetera, social media, AllieMillerRD, your work, your naturally nourished podcast is amazing. And Thank you. I have, I've en I enjoy everything you do. So I look forward to being in touch again. And for our audience, for our listeners, I thank you for being here and in the Girlfriend Doctor community. We really am committed to sharing this information. So if you enjoyed this podcast, it really helps us that you review it wherever you listen, Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Attic, or all of the above, and give a rating for me. Your five-star ratings make a difference in our reach and being able to get this information out to others to benefit from it as we bring you the cutting-edge information that you can adequately and easily integrate into your life to optimize your health and well-being. I love being your girlfriend, doctor, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it.